the one of the biggest things I've knew from the very beginning is I knew who I was. And I think when one person knows who they are, then they stay pretty grounded and they go forth. And I never care what other people thought of me because they, what other people think of you is none of your business because nobody gets to know you better than know yourself. So I know, I know who I am. I think we all have to know who we are. And I think in religions, I think people are searching for something to fill up their soul that maybe that religion does it. And all religion does to me is it reminds us who we are. I'd like to welcome to the show, James Van Prague. How are you doing, James? Very good, Alex. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on the show, my friend. I'm excited to talk to you. You've been in this spiritual game for a couple of years now. <laughs> About 40. <laughs> Give or take a year. Give yeah. or take a year or two, right? That's it. Yeah. yeah, so you were doing this work when it wasn't truly in vogue. If yeah, no, I, I was the first medium at, on television. I, I was out there and I didn't want to do it. I was, uh, I moved to LA to be a sitcom writer because I'm funny. So I thought I'd make money as a broadcasting sitcom writer, which I've done a couple, by the way. But uh -huh. it was there that I, I went through a series of jobs um, in LA, temporary jobs, ended up at the William Morris Agency. Mm -hmm. I'm not in the mailroom, but in the basement, pulling staples <laughs> out of contracts eight hours a day. And I was there and I knew I had to be there for some reason. I thought, mm, there's something going on here. Maybe I'll meet an agent, I'll get me a sitcom, whatever. And I, it was there that I had a supervisor who said, you want to go see a medium? And I said, what is that? And she said, he's someone who talks to dead people. Now, I just moved to LA from New York, so I had the cynical New Yorker and I heard California landed fruit and nuts. I'm like, okay, here we go. We're in California. So I, I, I humored this lady and I went to see this gentleman by the name of Brian Hurst. And I walked into his uh, apartment in Manhattan Beach and he said, you're a medium. And I said, well, thank you. I was small, but thank you. And now the spirit world, they want to use you as this, uh, to change the consciousness. And, and in two years time, you're going to do that. And I'm like thinking, okay, this is crazy. But he went on to open, uh, give me messages from loved ones who passed over, detailed messages, really incredible stuff. And I was fascinated, how did this guy do this? So I went to a place in LA called the Bodhi Tree, which you're probably very familiar with, mm -hmm. the Bodhi Tree mm -hmm. in, on Melrose. And I used to go every weekend and sit and read as much as I could on all different subjects from near-death experiences to um, uh, Himalayan texts to everything. You, you mentioned I, Edgar Casey, everything. And mm -hmm. I started meditating, not knowing how to, but I just just relaxed myself and visualized a rose or whatever. And, and I became very, very um, sensitized. I went through my series of jobs. And I remember it was, I was working at Paramount Studios. And it was, um, I was a contract administrator. So I moved from the William Morris Agency to Paramount Studios there, with the, mm -hmm. you know, and I was working in the contracts for syndication shows. And I remember it was uh, 1230 in the afternoon. I just come back from lunch and I went to my cubicle and this girl next to me, her name is Joe Dallas. And she walked into her cubicle and I looked over and I saw a dead lady standing next to Joe Dallas. And this dead lady looked at me like Stuart stared at me like six cents and like, oh, ah! and she said telepathically, I am her grandmother. Um, I lived in Idaho, a white house, the yellow shutters. We did a footstool together and other things. I'm like, what? So I asked this girl, does this make sense? Every detail. And she said, oh yeah, that's my grandmama. We made a pact that when she goes, she'd come back and tell me she was okay. So I freaked out, ran out of Paramount, not knowing I mean, what was happening with me, went to my apartment, not knowing what was going to go on. And I didn't know who to call because it sounded like I was crazy. And I'm like, who do you go to? So I called up that man, Brian Hurst, the medium, and I told him what was going on. And he said, James, don't you remember the prediction the spirit world made? And I said, yes. He said, James, that was two years ago today. <laughs> so <laughs> everything is in divine order, you see. And right. uh, he took me under his wing and really helped me develop my uh, mediumship and my sensitivity. And um, 
then it was really a matter of me deciding. I, I contacted my guides, and it was really me deciding with them. They said, if you work with us, we'll always take care of you. And it was a matter of faith. I was being tested, obviously. And I knew that the loving energy that I, I, I felt when I worked with that way in a mediumistic way, that there was nothing that could ever be better than that, this, this love. So I said, yes, I'd do it. And from that point on, I started doing uh, message readings with seven years in development. They started doing readings for people, and it was all word of mouth. And I'd be two readings a day, and it went on for, I was booked for two years at a time and, and so forth. And then eventually I'd producers come to my house and get a reading in my apartment. And then I was on Solved Mysteries. And then I was on a show called The Other Side NBC in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time a medium has been on. I was in their pilot program and the pilot went crazy. And we were on for about a year. And that was really my stepping off point. And, and then I was on, I wrote a book called Talking to Heaven based on my work. I'm giving the, the shorter version of this whole thing. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I went on Larry King and the book was, um, it was funny. It was, it was very, very funny. Spirit, the spirit world said to me, it's going to be a book that'll change the world. I'm like, okay. So I'm open to it. So I went to Larry King's show and the book had 6,000 copies, initial printing. <laughs> I went on that show December 7th, 1996, I think it was, 97. And uh, the book went from 6,000 to 600,000 in less than a month. And the CNN bureaus around the world did not stop ringing. Telephones is ringing till it started Friday at six o'clock, didn't end till Sunday, 3, 3 p.m. around the world. And they were constantly bombarded. So that was a, they called the miracle of publishing in those days. And that got that opened up the door for a lot of different things to happen. So, or so when that, thank you for that very concise. <laughs> and it was a really short life version, history, <laughs> life history that you had there. When you when you were you weren't raised, uh, were you raised religious, spiritual? How were you raised? I was raised Catholic. My mother was very Irish Catholic, and my father mm -hmm. was Presbyterian. Um, he didn't really care about either one, and uh, so I went through a Catholic school for eight years, and um, then I went to a seminary to be a priest for a year don't ask and but it was really a sense of I enjoyed the the um I guess you'd say the um the incense and the the, the pageantry the ceremonial, the, <laughs> the the ceremonial, ceremonial. right that, yeah, that part yeah. of it I love that I love the prayer part but I didn't understand certain things like eating the body drink the blood of Christ because for an eight-year-old you know what does that mean are they cannibals so it didn't fit for me but there was essence there was an essence of it that I, I liked that filled me up so I would say to you that um I, you know, people often ask me about religions, and I said, well, there are certain things religions will teach us, and, we, and with everything in life, you take what works for you, what resonates to your soul, right. and you throw back the rest. And for me, that was that sense of service of humankind, that really set there, that service of humankind, and making, you know, being good to people, living the golden rule, and that's really helped with that foundation, I'd say. So, so when you started to, I mean, cause I was raised also Roman Catholic. So, and I'm still, you and I are both recovering, I'm assuming, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> recovering Roman Catholics. Um, but when, um, when you were kind of confronted with this idea of mediumship, now I'm Latino from, from where I'm from. So I'm, oh, this great. idea passionate. of passionate, very, so this, this concept of mediumships and psychics is culturally kind of baked in to the yes. Latino culture, yes. South American yes. culture, Caribbean culture, absolutely. But from your Irish Catholic, not so much. So when this was presented to you and you started hearing ideas or voices, you thought you were going crazy. How did you re reconcile the religious, the, the Roman Catholic in you with this new version of of what's happening to you. Okay, in great world. question. And I have to go back to my childhood because in my childhood, I used to see spirit all the time. I used to, mm. all the time. Uh, when I was a 
really a toddler in the crib. I remember they, they, I remember very well, they put me in the back room of the crib and I wanted to be with the adults in the living room. So I cried my eyes out. And I remember my father used to come back and give me a big lollipop thinking that's gonna do it. But every night I'd see this man with white hair in the corner of the room, he'd walk over to the crib and he had some kind of a toy he'd play with me. And um, years later, my grandmother was showing me a photograph album and we, she turned the page and I said, who is that man? She said, oh, that's your grandfather. He died before you were born. And that was that man. And he's come several times since that. And then I, I had a lot of those uh, experiences as a child when he used to play with friends out in front of the street, uh, you know, stickball or whatever it was. And I'd see a, a spirit around them. I'd see their aura, the colors around them. And I thought every kid could do that. I thought everybody could do this. This wasn't anything weird or unique. It was just every way it was. And when they started saying, oh, you're a weirdo, I'm like, I'm not a weirdo. It's just I see those things. And I remember I was saying prayers uh, at night uh, with my mother. We'd say prayers every night before we go to sleep. And I would once happened, I saw these beings at the end of the bed with these lights around them. And I'd say, Mommy, who are those people with the lights on? And she goes, Oh, them? Those are God's angels. I used to see them too when I was a little girl. They'll always take care of you. Nothing to harm. They'll always take care of you. So she was very into she tune. My grandparents on both sides were very in tune from the Welsh background and the Irish mm -hmm. background. There was very much that natural ability. And it does pass in families. So to me, it was, I don't know, it didn't feel separate from the religion was a way of thinking, I guess, for some people to belong. I've never gotten into it. But mm -hmm. I knew what was natural for me. And mm -hmm. I've always lived my life that way. It was natural. And you know, one thing, Alex, which I, I'm going to share with you and for all you people that are watching or listening to this, the one of the biggest things I've knew from the very beginning is I knew who I was. And I think when one person knows who they are, then they stay pretty grounded and they go forth. And I never care what other people thought of me because they think what other people think of you is none of your business because nobody gets to know you better than you know yourself. So I know I know who I am. I think we all have to know who we are. And I think a religions, I think people are searching for something to fill up their soul, that maybe that religion does it. And all religion does to me is it reminds us who we are. Yeah, it can help assist us in that rem reminding. Um, but it's a mediumship to me, uh, I guess for my love, my development, my soul development expansion, it's very natural. And, and I know I've prepared, as I think we all do prepare for our life, a role in this lifetime. And, I, and I'm very much a, a firm believer, I'm not sure you are not, in, in quantum physics, and I believe mm -hmm. in you know, past life, future lives, all lives at one. I know that I've definitely prepared for this lifetime to communicate with the spirit world and to change the consciousness of the planet. I never would have thought that before, but I see it's happening. And things are very, very different now than they were when I first started, of course. Now we're much more accepting of other ways of thinking, alternative ways of being, and so forth. Well, this conversation wouldn't have happened in 1980. That's right. That's right. There's, there's I, no I remember way. there were people that used to, um, that skeptics who used to go to the studio and watch me do uh, uh, work, my demonstration work, and they would say, oh, he did cold reading. And I was like, what is that? I don't even know what that means. Oh, you know things before you, you ask certain questions and they give you answers. And, and all this stuff was coming at me. I'm like, well, that doesn't work for me. That does, that's not what I'm doing. That's not, not. And I thought, oh, these people are ignorant. They're not aware of how I do this. And they're making mm -hmm. these things up. It's like, that's bad. You can't do that. So they didn't understand it. And I think, in most of the world is ignorance. If people don't understand something, they put it down. I think fear, you know, unfortunately live in fear and fear is limiting, of course. I think fear is a human emotion, not spiritual. I think it's very human. And I think when people don't understand something, they judge it because they, they fear it. They live in fear, they judge it because they want to be better than, they want to be in control, if you will. So if I put you down with that and the fearful and make you worse than, judge you, then I feel better than. And it's just fear-based, basically. Well, yeah, and, and any time there's something that kind of shakes the foundation of your belief system, you either, if you're insecure about that, 
you will then fight back. If That's you're right. secure, you could care, you could tell me that the sky is purple, and I would be like, "That's fine for you, but that's not my truth." I don't have to. I don't have to go out and kill you. I'm like, no, the sky is blue, and we start a tribe about the sky is blue people, and we're gonna go kill everybody. Everybody make sure everybody knows that the sky is blue. You know, that's where it comes, but it comes from a level of insecurity because if you are secure with your belief system, you don't have to attack or defend. That's right. It just is. Am I right? Would you think exactly? Hundred percent. And it's also a control issue. So many people think mm. I've got to be in control. I've got to control my environment. I control the, what happens in my life. The truth is, we have no control. You can't control another person. You can't control what someone says. The only thing we can control is how we respond to things. But when people freak out, oh my God, this is outside of my paradigm. What am I going to do? Well, it's a paradigm shift. And you know that's really important that people realize they have no control. Once you realize you have no control of other people and what other people think of you is none of your business, you shift, you open up and you expand. You know? Now, you have done probably tens of thousands of readings yeah. over yeah. the course of, of, your, of your career. Yeah. And this, out of all those times, you must have had an inside view of the human psyche in a way that most human beings don't get in a lifetime. Is that a fair statement? To a point, um, to a point. I mean, there's so, you know, it's worlds within worlds within worlds. Really, right. Think about it, just such a vastness and expansion. So I definitely have had a look at certain aspects of the human and, and how they play and the soul self and the different dimensions of the soul and different sense of awareness, if you will. And um, I, 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 I'm very down to earth. I'm pretty grounded. I'm double earth sign, Capricorn and Virgo. I'm pretty down to earth about things, which I think is very helpful in this in this regard. So to me, I, I like to say that, um, yeah, I've been a witness of all these different types of experiences. And to me, it always back to the simple truth that we are souls having a human experience, not the other way around. We're souls mm -hmm. first having this human, this is our school, this is our soul's school. And there are many, many schools. This is one, one of the most um, uh, unevolved, I guess you could say, because uh, we're still killing one another. We're still fighting. We still think money is power and so forth. So unfortunately, we're not evolved because, you know, when you kill one another person, you're killing yourself. We're all, we're all connected, of course. So we're not really evolved in that respect, you know. Um, here's a simple one, which I, I like, that life, to me, now that I've learned these things, the simple truths. Spirit says it's always very simple. It's the, the, It really is simple. The truth is very simple. But the human being likes to get caught up in the complexity of the simplicity. See, mm -hmm. so they want things to be complex because it's complex. It means something, not necessarily. To me, it is really, it's all about choices in life. So we are souls and we come back and choose, if you will, our family, our friends, our, 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 our lessons we're going to learn this lifetime. And, and a series of choices, choices are based on either two things, either love or fear. And that's really it. And fear, F-E-A-R, false ego appearing real, right, is limiting where love is expansive. And, and we're here to love. Our natural vibration is of love. The soul is of love, not fear. Fear is of the human vibration. So it's very interesting to see if, if people just go back in their lives and see what they chose out of fear, what do people think of them, what my parents want me to do, what society wants me to do to be accepted, or did you live in love? Just do who you do, do you, you do you, do you want to do, and see, and see the difference. And uh, it's amazing. So it's a simple truce, if you will. So can you explain to people what the process is for you? Are you seeing, are you hearing voices? Are you seeing people? Do you see dead people? Uh, <laughs> I see dead people. Or is it like images in your mind? What is the actual process when you're doing a reading? 
Sure, a great question. So this is, it's, a, it's just a, a little bit of background here is that um, to me, and this is my experience I've had, that the soul is, um, pe many people think the soul is encompassed in the physical body. Not really. I would say my equation might be off a little bit, but the, the idea behind it is right. That 70% of the soul is outside the body and only 30% is here. You know, mm -hmm. we are living on these fields, I call them minefields outside here. And there are many, many levels. I call them the, these minefields. And the mind is the soul, the soul is the mind. And this remnant, the smaller part here is like, I call it the big toe to the soul, because there's more of us outside here than in here, right? So what I do in preparation of communication, and because the spirit world is all around us, you know, it's not up there, heaven or hell, it's all around us. It's all these different uh, vistas and, and fields, if you will, around us that vibrate and move at a certain rate of speed. So we have all around us different types of waves, gamma rays, um, x-rays, microwaves, television waves, all these different waves of energy. And once said this to Barbara Walters. I said, you know, Barbara, she asked me on The View. So, well, how does this work? How does this work? I said, so you're working in a field of television and you're not sure how it works? And she goes, <laughs> well, right? I mean, you think about it. And Absolutely. I have a broadcasting degree, right? I have a, I have a broadcasting yeah. degree. And I said to her, you know, you're, how it works, Barbara, is your, your television, the, the station is sending out a signal, right? It sends out a certain signal, a certain vibration. And there are receptors on the televisions, the receivers that will receive that certain vibration and able to use, take that vibration and manifest it in a visual, right? That's basic basic broadcasting there and she goes, oh. so same thing works with mediumship in that i have to attune myself to a higher frequency a higher vibration of energy so it's all energy and the mind what i do with my mind and many years of development of this is i bring my mind to a certain space uh, an altered state of consciousness you could say to a higher level of consciousness where it's a, it's a vibration very very quick so mind is very very open and what i do is because the spirit people when they will communicate with us they have to, everything is done with thought. It's available in a thought world. It's all thought. We have the physical world, they're in a mental world. So everything in that world moves with thought. And they have to think to themselves, okay, I want to communicate. So I'm going to slow myself down to the level that the medium is able to receive me. So they consciously think, slow myself down. They lower themselves down to a certain level. The medium raises up their vibration and they meet in the middle. And that's why it's called medium in the middle. And what happens is uh, then I, I raise myself up to that space. I've done it so many years now, Alex, that's just like, Push a, push a button and there it is. Mm -hmm. and, and, and really when they come in, this is an interesting, interesting one, that all the spirits that come and communicate, you have to realize that they might not have never done this before. It might be the very first time they're doing this. So just because they're dead doesn't mean they know how to do this. It's a process. Mm -hmm. So many times when I do um, demonstrations, we call them for audiences or, or people online, um, there'll be beings around me, spirit people who have nothing to do with the people that are in this in the uh, demonstration or on the zoom call they're watching the process so that another time they might come through and do the process the right way so they have to slow down their thoughts and create in their minds a picture which could be representative of a memory could be um, a picture of that person they loved when doing something the day before and it's conceived of this this concept and sent it to the medium's mind and the medium knows nothing about it, nothing about these people or anything so i have to be open enough to say i see a calendar it says february 28th 1985 i know i feel that there's a lady here i feel there's a mother feeling and i'm feeling oh and she shows me now she's now showing me clairvoyantly she gave an image she had brown hair and blue eyes and a beautiful red smile and she wears that yellow daisy dress she loved the yellow daisy dress and yes, that's my mother. That's exactly what she wore. And that's the date she died. And, and then, so it depends on the spirit because everyone is, communicates differently. 
They're just like in the human life. Some people are visual, some people are auditory, some people sense. Most of us sense things when we walk into a room or meet someone. We sense. So that sense sense first. So as a medium, I get the sense of them. They put they push into my mind the sense of what they want to say. And my guides who work with me and their guides will help them to prepare or um, go through, if you will, the correct way of sending a thought, of creating an emotion state, of bringing that to the medium's mind that I'm able to understand it. Another interesting fact is that the mind of the medium is very, very important. So as the makeup of the medium, as a makeup for myself, my personality depends a lot, but it affects a lot. I'm a person, as you can tell, I have a good sense of humor. I like to joke. I'm very down to earth. I'm very real, but I, I love not taking things over seriously, just lighter. And so the best spirits that I have to communicate will be those who are aligned to my personality traits. So I bring through great people's sense of humors, like the good time, who are very serious, who are very kind, so that works in line with my uh, and my personality traits and my aspects, my soul aspects, and it makes the reading very successful. Now, that doesn't mean I can't bring other spirits through. I do. More, more like I always usually bring other pe people through, but the easier ones are ones that are aligned to my personality traits. So, <laughs> I'm throwing a lot at you. So no, I'm, it's, I completely okay. get everything you're saying. The, so um, is there an energy issue with you so like do you get a wave of energy? because channelers have that channels yes. get like this wave of energy a lot yes. of times i've heard that they've had to kind of on the other side and here prep their nervous system to handle yes. this flow uh how yes. does it work with you and mediums yes very very good so sitting in what i call development and and, and the sitting the stillness of your being which um it's really to me really important in developing mediums and i have a school online it's and it's been dedicated to that and um it's really about preparation as you say so preparing the space to me working with the spirit world is this here we go back to the religion now to me it's very sacred so it's like going to mass it's like you're setting up the sacred space and to me it's you're a representative as a medium i'm a representative of the spirit world and to me it's an interesting one i work for them I don't work for the living. I really work for them. They're my boss. And that my job is to bring through information that will help the spirit person come through and to move on. So this is an interesting one. Just because someone passes away doesn't mean they go right to heaven. They go here, they go there. Many times because they pass over into the mental world, right? It's a mental world. We, what we all have once we pass over is a life review. And we're outside of time. So you're not with a clock, you're not in linear time anymore. So what happens is you, you tend to see all those moments in the lifetime that you lived that you had um, impressed others or what you said to someone. So the example I like to use is let's say you were in a really bad mood one day and you went to the gasoline station and you yelled at the person, the clerk behind the, in the cash register. And, and that person yelled at a storekeeper, a, a, a partner in the store, and the person in the store went home and yelled at their family and blah, 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 <laughs> goes on, 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 ripping effect. When you have that past life, when you have that life review, you're going to become that person behind the cash register and you're going to feel everything they felt when you yelled at them. 10 times, 20 times, 30 times stronger than originally sent. And you'll become aware of how your thought, your word affected that person and that person and that person. And you'll see the rippling effect of your one thought and your one word. That's kind of scary, right? Especially if you're living a life where you hurt people. Imagine that's your own hell. So you create mm -hmm. your own heaven, your own hell based upon your thoughts, words, and deeds. So uh, my job is really as a medium is to bring through let's say that spirit who has unfinished business who's ever come back and say i'm sorry to my to his daughter i'm sorry i didn't love you i didn't know how to love so how could i love you i'm so sorry so it's unfinished business basically what's my job is to bring through that and so also to provide proof of life after death so in but it's isn't 
okay, I agree with that. <clears throat> but doesn't that get caught up in karma? Meaning like in another life they deal with that? Or can they deal with or can they deal with it like this? hundred percent. So so what's going on is um they have to get again, it's all learning. It's learning, learning, learning that what you give out, you get back. And, and that's karma. So every action has a reaction, right? right? So every act that someone does has a reaction. And and it, that's a natural law. So there's a natural law involved. So yes, but if they can if they can willingly have the awareness to say I'm sorry, to say this that will help. That certainly helps because they're in that state of apathy. They're in a state of um, that they they're they're in a healing state. They didn't know any better. They're awakened, if you will. You know? On the other side. Um, on the other side. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. On the other and, side. And and many who are awake over there who wake up and realize what they've done, they feel bad about it. There's a little bit of, you know, I'm going to say, I don't, I don't want to back to our Catholic purgatory thing, but there's that waiting station because they got to take care of themselves. They got to, they got to honor what, what they did and what they didn't do. And, and one of the most interesting things that the spirit people have said to me and they've come through is, um, and I wrote a book called Unfinished Business because I got tired of hearing the spirit say this. And they would say, wow, if only I knew then what I know now, I would have made different choices. I wouldn't have behaved that way. I would behave more loving, more compassionate, more kindness. I would have forgave easier. I wish I had known that in that. So I wrote that book just for that because if the world knew that, you know, just imagine if everybody knew that when they left the physical body, they'd have a life review and have to feel everything 10 times, 20 times, 30 times stronger, how they treated people, Wow, wouldn't the world be different because it'd be a sense yeah. of responsibility? Yeah. And I well, think that's a secret. I think that really is a secret in the teaching people. You have to be responsible for your thoughts, your words, and your deeds because they don't go unnoticed. This energy you're putting out there. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, in, do you, you uh, believe in a soul blueprint or a soul I plan? Do. Okay. I certainly so with, do. So, with that concept, from my understanding of my, my research of people I've spoken to on the yeah. show, you, you choose your life and Correct. you choose the actions you're going to do in that life. So a lot of times you're in your soul family, which is right. in your group, right? So right. let's say you and I are in our soul family. And in this time we're sitting, we're sitting, having coffee on the other side. And we're both talking. We're like, look, I'm going to go back down. You want to come with me? And yeah, sure. I'm like, you know what? In this life, I really need to know what it feels like to have someone who doesn't love me. And because, and then, then I'll go, you know what? I'll go down. I'll take the bullet. And I'll be your dad and I won't show you any love. So on a, on a soul level, we have this kind of pre-built pre plan. So then when they come back and they're saying, oh, I wish I would have known, it doesn't connect. Can you kind of explain it? We're going deep. Sure. We're really going into weeds here. So I'm just curious what your thoughts sure. are on this. So also suicide. So many people think right. suicide is wrong. So, yeah. Well, not necessarily because the soul group might have agreed upon that, that in that soul group, one of them had to learn what the experience of suicide it was and how the rest of the people around them would handle that. Right. That, that happens quite a lot. So a lot of the experiences we have here, whether it's uh, physical problems, mental problems, whatever it is, interaction. And the biggest, of course, teachers are our family. Hello. They're number mm -hmm. one teachers because they represent you. You're looking at yourself. So there is that sense that we all have destiny points. I would call them destiny points. That we're destined to do certain things. But then comes this part of free will, right? So it's destined that we have this situation happen. Let's say we meet for coffee or on the earth and mm -hmm. we can do many things with that we can be friends forever it can just be a quick meeting with a coffee or we can decide to live together whatever it might be but there's free will involved there so right. again the more someone knows their soul self the more they know themselves that inner self the easier it is to make the right choice that's right for them at the moment that makes, that sense. make sense makes yeah yeah so the closer you are to your true self because then you will be connected to that true mission <laughs> 
And even if it doesn't make sense, because it made sense, it doesn't make rational sense at all, right? You you becoming a medium, uh, you know, this makes no sense when you were like- It makes no sense. I mean, I really jumped in because like, I had no way of knowing how many paid, how to pay the rent, how to pay my insurance, how to pay anything. But I did it with faith because I knew that they said to me, we'll take care of you. And I never knew how it was going to come about, but it's come about. And they've taken care of me for 45 years. I've been taken care of. And I think we're all taken care of. When we do the right thing and we take responsibility for who we are and we see God in everyone, which is that yes. brilliant light. We all have that same God. And if we just treated each other, we see God, we'd be better off. I, I think that every day we're given opportunities. Every day in our path, you have either a teacher or a student that walks in your path. And mm-hmm. it's to recognize that. What are you going to learn or what are you going to teach? And that's what it is, you know? I really do believe that. And what you give out, you get back. It's that, it's that, it's that karma, whatever you want to call it, that, that, that yeah. energy, that natural law. And James, I mean, I, I agree with you 100% because when I started the show, I was like, this is insane. Why am I starting a spiritual show? I'm not a guru. I have no street credibility in this space, but I was guided to do this. And I jumped in with faith that it would all work out and it wouldn't destroy what I had already built because I was afraid. Because as you know, yeah. when you cut... Co- when you come out, go public with this kind of stuff yeah. and start talking, it's not the norm yet. It's more accepted and it's growing daily. But this is still, you know, people, you and I are having a fairly intelligent, grounded conversation about this, which is really helpful for what we're trying to do in the world and raising the consciousness. But and we I also think, have. Alex, we don't mind. Yeah. I, I think that as you said that, I don't mind me get, getting a hit for you, but I have to. Um, yeah. I think that when you say that, that the part of your soul self on the other side knew this and was, was had to do this, sure. and the physical is now is catching up on it. And I think that it's meant to be, obviously. And the conscious, like you're here to change the consciousness. You're here to open the minds of people up, and more and more people. And whether we want to talk about, you know, the world the way it is right now, the darkness, the fear, whatever it is out there, people don't feel mm-hmm. connected. It's work like this that pink pill together because there's a resonance, there's a, the sense of truth. It opens up, that stirs their souls that this is truth, and it gives them a platform. It gives them a platform to go to and say, "Well, I understand this. This is more. This makes more sense to me than other things do. You know, mm-hmm. this is the truth. I don't know about Instagram and Facebook, but this <laughs> is the truth right here. You know, and that's I think a great thing." Thing, to give people that opportunity to to uh, have that sense of opportunity, uh, that faith, and have a, a. When I started my school, the JP School of Mystical Arts, four years ago, it was a school that I want to leave as a, a legacy for my work, and something happened out of that which I'd never expected. And what happened was there became a sense of community, a lot of community, and people thank me over and over again for for having a space that people can go to who are like-minded people mm-hmm. because there aren't many. So what you're doing, what I'm doing, many others doing, are presenting that space for those who think the same way, who can think out of the box, who believe in faith, whatever that means. You know, you can't limit God. I think religion, going back to that religious thing, I feel in many ways religion limits God, and God is limitless. You know, mm-hmm. you can't put a name on God. It's limitless. And um, I think the more people that knew themselves would know God better. <laughs> so this is this is always something that's fascinating me about mediums and psychics in general is we all saw the movie Ghost. You know, back with Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, I did a standing ovation. I was working at Paramount at the time, and I'd still yeah. a standing ovation in the screening room at Paramount. And people were looking at me like, they got it right. <laughs> so, I mean, it was so perfect. And I've had I've had uh, Bruce, the writer, on the show. And he explained to me. He, he studied wrote, and researched. He did a great job. No, no he thing. had a psychedelic experience, talked to God, came back, wrote Jacob's Ladder. Yeah. I mean, and you watch those movies and you're just like, oh, okay, everything all makes sense. So when yeah. he wrote Ghost, which nobody wanted, but eventually yeah. got made, yeah. um, 
Whoopi Goldberg's character that she sees dead people constantly. I always wondered, do you have an on and off or open and close sign? Because if not, you're like eating, you know, you're in the bathroom and you look over, oh Jesus, not now. <laughs> like, how does that work? Do you, um, do you have like barriers or just like, hey guys, no, <laughs> or yes, a, I'm open for great, business. It's a great question. And it's an important question you're asking because it, I, I, I am the, I scream about this from the hit mountaintops because, um, and God bless uh, Mr. Rubin for doing that move because it really has opened people up. So mediumship in general, um, to me, I developed in the old fashioned way. And I developed for seven years sitting in the quiet, sitting in the stillness. And I wouldn't do one reading because I had to work on my, my energetic self, my, my soul self to really develop that, that progression of development in order to be able to give a message to someone. Because it's very much like to me, like medical work, like a doctor or a lawyer, you have people's lives that you're responsible for. And that can mm -hmm. be taken easily. That's not a no joke. You've got to be really have a lot of integrity. And to me, um, I've been very worked very, very hard throughout my, uh, well, not hard, hard, but my integrity is really strong in that I would not present something if it wasn't the right way it was. And, and if I didn't know it, somebody said, I don't know it, you know, just because I talk dead people, I don't know everything. So to me, uh, I tried to present the mediumship in, in, with my TV show, the Beyond show I had, and John Edward did a good a job with his mm -hmm. show, Crossing Over, and it was presented a certain way, which I, I like. Um, but then what happens is, um, younger people that come into mediumship want to be stars. They want to be fast and furious. They want to get in and be on TV and be a star. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it doesn't work that way. You don't, you don't go to the mediumship to be a star. It doesn't happen that way. And think of all those people's lives that you're hurting by doing it the wrong way. And when I say the wrong way, like for instance, there was a lady named Teresa Caputo who had the Long Island Medium. You remember that show, Long Island mm -hmm, Medium? Mm -hmm. And she was a lady who, nice lady, I met her once, very gifted lady, but the producers who produced that show did not know how to produce it correctly. They do not know about mediumship. I went through the same thing with the show Ghost Whisper I was involved in. I had a lot of trouble with the producers who didn't know at all how to produce this sort of thing. And the way that there's, there's no sense of responsibility of what you're putting in the airwaves. So they have Teresa Caputo out there in a bake shop, in a butcher shop, in a car, and she sees dead people. Oh my God, this person's, oh my God. I'm it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way because that person would end up in a nut house because right. These, That's why I ask. Yeah, and they're and they're teaching that they're throwing that to the public, thinking this is the way it is. No, it doesn't work that way. As a medium, as I said before, you have to. It's a sacred. It's a sacred space. You have to prepare yourself, and when you're ready to work, there's that, if you will, an on-off switch. As you said, you're able to open yourself up, and you say what what you get. Um, it's not like pop, here goes this one, pop goes a weasel, here's this one. It doesn't work that way. The media may be aware of those people around, but certainly it's, it's like um, a ceiling fan. You can't have that ceiling fan on all the time because you'll burn out the motor. Same thing with mediumship. You gotta be very, very careful. It's a delicate art because you're working with your adrenal system and the glandular system. Right. And that and will nervous tax system. it very, yeah. yeah. It'll tax it very, very easily. You'll be taxed out. And I've seen many medium pass away with cancers and bad diseases and endocrine problems because they're not, they're not um, integrated the right way. They're not um, measured. The work is not measured. It needs to be measured. It needs to be a process. There's another guy on TV, um, the young kid that's on right now, Tyler oh, yeah. Henry. Yeah, right. he's and great. again, Again, we're throwing this stuff out there. Now he might have ability, he certainly has some kind of ability. It's not worked out because he comes from a psychic point of view and a medium point of view, and he doesn't even know what he's doing. He doesn't know what's psychic or what's medium. He doesn't know the difference between the two. And they throw that out to the, the, the right. public. 
public doesn't know any better. And it's like, that's, that's going to harm people. And it's going to harm him it's, because yeah. he's a young boy. He's 24. He's had no life experience in order for the spirit world to draw from in order to give a message out. And it's showing the public, like, this is the way it is. That's, that's not, that's not the way it works. And, and that to me is a really tough one, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and in that show too, you could see where he wears out. You could, I've seen some of his episodes. You start seeing him as like, I can't, I need this. He's having problems with it because he hasn't tro- properly been trained. He doesn't know how to run. It. It's called running your energy. He doesn't know how to run his energy properly because we're talking about the chakra points. We're talking about opening up those, those yeah. electrical, we're all electrical beings. And if you don't charge it the right way, you're going to be depleted quickly. And I'm telling you, as it is, and you have all the pressure from television and producers and all that kind oh, of stuff who don't fame. understand the work at all. Listen, I did a show called The Beyond Show for a whole year. And it was like a kind of a talk show. I'd go on, I'd do a readings for the audience and do a private reading on the stage. I remember the people that produced that with me, this woman, Carrie Sagan, her name was. And I gave her a reading before, the, before we went to the pilot, just so she would know what the process was. And I brought through a, a girl. I said, this little baby girl that died. She's a twin of yours that died. She goes, yes, that's right. And it was very a good reading because I wanted to give her the uh, awareness of the education of it. And then during the show, um, I'm doing a message for a lady on stage and she had lost her uh, someone very important. And, and the producer was so fearful of, is he going to get a hit? He's got to get a hit. So instead of having just the bride die, we have the whole group, the grooms, the whole, the whole wedding party dies, you know, it'd be like crazy. So the way they think, right. so I'm working with this lady on stage at the corner of my eye, I see an associate producer in the wings and she's holding up a sign that said, make her cry. And I said, stop oh. tape right now. Not oh. only is that hurtful to the audience members and the lady getting the message, but that is completely wrong space. So I went, literally went up to the booth and I yelled at the, at the producer. I said, you cannot do that. Don't you ever insult us like that. They never insult the spirit world like that. And then another thing that happened was, which I, I, I'll never forget this. I did many shows a day. I did 15 shows, whatever it was. We double booked stuff. And I worked my rear end off. And I remember there was a series of murders. And I don't know what's going to happen. I separated myself in a different building, which I shouldn't have, but I did. And um, there were all these murder stories. And it was depleting. And probably the sixth murder. And I said, I will not do this again this week. I've done murders. Murders are heavy duty. You can oh, God, the energy, the energy. Energy, heavy. So I said, I won't do that. And she goes, okay, it's your last one. It's your last one. And I said, well, I won't do this tomorrow. No way. So, because I had to protect the vessel. I had to protect it. So the next morning I come in at 830 and there's a script there. that says a murder of Joshua. And I'm like, I throw it back out to the producer. I'm not doing this. And she goes, oh, just one. I said, no. And I literally, Alex, to have to go to this point of a young, of, and I, who wants to do this? I had to literally lock my door and not come out of my dressing room until they changed the story. Like, 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 a, like a temperamental actor. Yes, right. and I'm not that way. But right. if that's the level I have to go to for them to understand that's not appropriate. And this head of the studio came, my agents came, managers came. It was like, you have to understand the sensitivity, the nature of the sensitivity of this work. And if you don't, that's not my problem. That's your problem. I won't harm myself or other people for this. You know what is so interesting too, because I come from that world very, yes. very much. So I've been for thirty years. So you so understand? I, yeah. Oh, I understand at such a deep level. You have no idea, James, because <laughs> you're absolutely right in many ways. And this happens with young actors. This happens with stars who just blow up all of a sudden. It almost is like, and please forgive me for using this word. Let's bring out the freak and let's try to use and and milk this as much as we can while it's the good is going. That's Hollywood. That's Hollywood since the days of Chaplin. It's always been that way. Um, And sometimes you get, you know, a good team that makes it go. But many times you get the like, 
the more elaborate kind of reality show kind of like let's make them cry that kind of aspect of things and i hope that this show i really try to bring more of a human face to this kind of work and also channels which channels on a whole other level sure. because they get like especially trans channels turn into other people and the voices change and all the talk about like oh let's let's see what the, what the, quote unquote again what the freak does let's put the camera on him and let's make money how can we make money with this it's not that you have to respect what you what we're all doing in this space and i process yeah i do believe and i think and and love to hear your thoughts from where you started in the 80s to where we are now i believe things have changed a bit in regards to the space the respect of this art and what we're doing would you agree yeah, yes, and you said it correctly. It's an art. It really is an art, and it has to be looked at that way. It's not an entertainment. It's an art. Now, right. if you have personality like me, I'm personality that they can <laughs> do that and bring out the art, but also bring the fun of it. That, that that's great, but it, it's an art, and it's got to be respected. It's a sensitive art. You know, I I did a um, there was a movie of my life with Ted Danson played me, uh, and it's based on my first what? book, Talk from Heaven. Yeah, I don't know if you knew that. And, and I didn't was, know um, that. When, you, when did it get? Oh, it was yeah. like a TV, TV oh, movie? Was Alex, it a TV I movie? I have a lot of background. Yeah, I'll tell you about it. It's a funny what? story. And, and huh? it shows you how the spirit world also intervenes and how every day they intervene in our, our path. Well, the book did so well that CBS bought the book to do a movie. It was Movie of the Week time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Days, right? yeah, yeah. So NBC had it. They they dropped it down and development, and CBS bought it. And um, I, I met with. Um, uh, Anyway, a long story, but I, 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 what I heard was, and this is the way it worked out. Um, I got a call from um, the, man, the man who was writing the, 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 the movie, Talking to Heaven. It was such a great way they wanted to do a miniseries. So they wanted to do a miniseries. Nina Tesla wanted to do a miniseries and Les Moonves, okay? So from what I understand, Mary Steenburgen was on a plane, and she said to me, I never talk to people on a plane. So there was this man sitting, writing a script, and she's sitting next to him, and she heard her father say, you have to talk to him. You have to talk to him. So she asked the guy, she goes, what are you writing? He goes, oh, I'm, I'm funny you're sitting here. I'm just thinking of you for a part in this. It's Talking to Heaven based on James Van Prague's book. And she goes, oh, that's my favorite book. I've given it to all my friends, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, oh, yeah, I'm writing this, uh, this, this miniseries here. And she goes, can you get me in touch with the author? And so he goes, yeah, I'll probably be able to. So um, I met with Mary and I did a reading, which I, I rarely do, but I, I, I felt I had to do this. It was important. I don't know why I felt that, but I did. So I said, yes, mm -hmm. Mary, I'd be glad to do a reading with you. And I went to her house in Brentwood and we had her and Ted and friends of theirs. And we're all sitting around and I'm like, um, okay. So I, I do this thing, it was really good night. Spirit was right there. And Ted's father came through and Ted is sitting on a little um, like ottoman. And his father said, Ted, I'm here. I'm have my whiskey and my uh, herringbone jacket. And he said, and he said, you know, I'm in heaven if I'm having my whiskey and my herringbone jacket. And Ted Danson looks at me and he starts crying and he falls down on the floor. I'm like, oh no, what did I do with Ted Danson? Oh God. Did I break and, Ted Danson? <laughs> oh geez, did I break Ted Danson? Oh geez. So, so it was so funny because afterwards we're hanging out and it was just a great night. And he goes, you, and he didn't believe in any of it until then. And he said, that, that was just so weird. Every night, my every time my father come home from work, every day, he put on his herringbone jacket and have a whiskey in front of the fireplace. And, and that's how he died, James. I said, wow, that, that's incredible, Ted. The next day, I get a phone call from the production company. And they said, listen, um, we don't know if we're going to do the movie. I said, why? Well, no one wants to play a medium. Gary Sinise turned it down, and someone else turned it down. And Les Moonves at CBS said there's only one more person he could try, because he has a contract with this guy who does Becker, Ted Danson. I said, Ted Danson, I was at his house last night. Wait, wait a minute. Well, can you ask him? I said, no, I can't ask him. I can't cross that line. 
that's not appropriate. I cannot do that. Mm-hmm. So it was not weird. I was so weird. So then what happened was his manager called me, Ted's manager called me and said, can you meet with me regarding this thing? CBS is calling. I said, sure. So we met and Ted agreed to do it because based upon that reading, his father came through. And the miniseries happened uh, with Queen Latifah was in it, Diane Ladd, um, uh, all these people, uh, Jack Palance played my father. And it was just so weird. And it was the number one miniseries of CBS history, except for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and because of that miniseries, and you can still download it now on Amazon or whatever, it then opened up to, um, they wanted to do more with me. So we did another movie with a lady by the name of, who's just starting out, and it, um, Eva Longoria, you've heard of her, right? She's been so, on the show. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so she, she was in with me in New Orleans. We're doing this, this uh, miniseries. She said, came up to me during the break. She goes, Mr. Van Prague, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. She goes, I just finished a pilot and I was wondering if it's going to do anything. And she, I said, well, wh- what's the name? She goes, it's called Desperate Housewives. It's going to change your life. And she, goes, uh, she goes, really? I said, oh, it's going to change your life. You'll see. Well, years later, we know the history of that. Then the miniseries and the movie did so well with Anne Hayes and Eva Longoria. And that was before Eva was Eva. It was Anne Hayes for the star. And it went so well that they wanted to do a series. Now they wanted to do a series. So they asked me to develop a series. And I developed Ghost Whisper with Jennifer Love Hewitt. And it did really, really well. And it did it well. Five years. Yeah. And in the middle, I'm at Universal Cafeteria, right? An office at Universal. And also I see Eva <laughs> coming over. And our eyes met at the same time. And went, I just went, ah! And I went over and I said, did it change your life? And she goes, oh my God. So, yeah. Wow. So that's one of those stories that, you know, had the, the interweaving of all those things that the spirit world, you know, they were in our lives and how they work behind, really hard behind the scenes to make things happen. Well, you know, what's mm-hmm. funny too, because it's something that I've said on the show so much is when you, when you learn how to let go of yeah. tri- of this false idea that you could control everything. That's right. When you let go, things start to happen. It's kind of like doors start to open that were closed before. And that's such a, people don't understand when they hear let go. I'm like, I can't let go. I have have to still, like, I didn't say stop, just sit down and wait for the door to knock. Get up and, you know, I always say cut the wood, carry the water. But don't connect where (laughs) that wood. We need the wood. (laughs) Yeah, there's that too. But I always say that don't don't expect where this is all going to go. Just do the work. And if you're going on the right path, Doors will start to open. And yeah, the Buddhists have a great saying that I love to use every day. It is um, um you can't push the river. You just gotta yeah. let it flow. You can't it's push exactly. the river, you gotta let it flow. And it's very, very true because when you open that space up, you allow the energy to flow. It's all about letting the energy flow. So I do a lot of work with people, we do what we call scanning, and we scan the body, energy of the body, and we'll scan the body, and there'll be certain, let's say the emotional body, there's some I call it staining. And we'll say, Oh, you have stain in there. Oh, yes, I went through a divorce. Well, it's still there and it's blocking the rest of the energy flow. And we have that every day. And I think it's really important that through meditation, through self-awareness, that you open up those channels every day. Because a lot of us, Alex, I don't know what your thoughts about this. We mm-hmm. take on energy from other people. I think we- Absolutely. We, especially being sensitives and, and, and uh, uh, beings here, this is energetic beings. And I think, and I wanna hear, I'd like to hear your point of view on this, because I, yeah. I just thought about this two weeks ago, that you know we take on other people's energy, and many times we keep the energy there in our space. We tend to look at life or make choices based upon that person's energy because we're looking through rose-colored glasses. Does that make sense to you? That we're not. It does. It, it does make sense to me because uh, I have I have a family which is uh, all women. Yeah. Um, my family. I have no boys. I have no testosterone in the house at all. <laughs> and um, as being the only male in the in the house, yeah. A lot of times, uh, you know, there's some drama in the female side of the vet. Not with me. Just right. on the 
you know, because they're young girls. And so a lot of times I will pick up on that energy and then I will notice myself change. And I would be like, and I start getting a little angrier or I get a little bit more perturbed or my, or my patience threshold drops dramatically uh, in the only way, only in the way that family does. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, greatest teachers. Yeah. The greatest teachers. So I do notice that, but everybody I think can agree that when you walk into a room, sometimes you will go, what happened just here? Or if there was a fight before and now it's quiet, you walk in and go, there's something in the air. Yes. We all can feel, or you meet somebody and you want to like take a shower afterwards. Like you just met a car salesman, sorry, car salesman, or, you know, a, sa- a sales guy of some sort. And you're just like, oh, I just, oh, God, I feel icky just being around this person. Mm-hmm. That's an energy thing. That's an energy thing. So absolutely. And a lot of times that energy will stick with you. I'm not sure if on the one-off with the salespeople, but, or, or salesperson, an icky salesperson, but people that are close to you, absolutely your your mother comes to visit your father comes to visit your brother comes to visit and you have issues or you have history or they say that word that just sets you off because of all that history that sticks with you and you you can't make clear decisions when you're in that state right so i I think it's really important and and the way i look at it like is is many times it's programs so because broadcasting is my degree that people are sending programs and we we pick up those programs and we see them and then we can realize whose program it is and let it go or we don't recognize it and we make it our own see and and part of it we get stuck there because we make their problems our problems their energies our energy and it's their program not our program but we make it ours so we have to be able to translate and find out whose program is this why am i feeling this way what just happened that i'm sensing this am i pulling am i holding on to this energy or can i let it go and and with mediumship what i do with the work i do is many times i will pick up the energy of that oh. person, how they passed away, the uh, the grief that they have from the spirit world. I shoulda, woulda, coulda, and and it's so amazing because then when you uh, and you're working with someone who's in the living state and they hear their loved one, their auric field opens up and expands, and there, there was something that's deep, dark, down, and dense opens up and expands, and you see a beautiful light, you feel beautiful energy, and they feel so much better, and the spirit feels so much better. So, and it's just a matter of love. So love is that love is the best way for us to let go of other people's energy from our space and to really open up our own self as, as love of self, being aware of self. But love is the ingredient that brings all things together. And uh, you know, you you and I both have studied Yogananda uh, yeah. and studied the yogis uh, yeah. in India, it, and you hear these stories that there's nothing that really moves them in the sense of energy like that because they are so connected to the inner place. That thing that we were talking about earlier. They're so connected to it that the one, I think the Maharishi, they gave him some psychedelics. He ate like a pot and did nothing. He just laughed after he ate it because he literally had so well controlled of his physical state and spiritual state that didn't bother him. So those energies don't, they kind of just bounce off or they don't even connect with them because of our deep understanding of who they, they're at a whole other level that you and I are not at this point. But does that make sense to you? Completely, completely. And, and it's the emotional charge that and it's that holding on to a charge, waiting for the outcome. What's the outcome? And, and there is no outcome. Everything should be neutralized. I think a good point, Alex, and, and I've helped with a lot of people with this, it's helped me as well, is you become the observer. You step back and you observe everything. It's almost like you're sitting in an audience watching a theater, theatrical show, and you see the show play on stage, but you don't get involved in it. But you're aware of what's who the characters are and what's going on. But even life, you can be objective, be observant, be an observer of life. Don't be so involved when you don't have to be, only when you're when you're 
meant to, but just observing really helps a lot. Really helps a lot. I, same thing happened to me with psychedelics. I was giving them nothing happened. I was giving it some, um, what was it, ayahuasca years ago. Yeah. And and I had an experience. People are leaving the room when they're throwing up and having, you know, diarrhea and all this. I'm like, what's going on here? And I didn't feel any of that. And I, I just had an awareness, uh, like a, a, an awareness of my guide or my higher self. And uh, it was just, it was kind of like validation of what I already knew. It was nice, but I don't need it. <laughs> I don't right. need it. <laughs> exactly. You know? And we, uh, and I, if I can quote Yogananda on this, he's like, so, so many times we get caught up in, the, if we're in a movie theater, we get caught up with what's on the screen, which is what you're saying, be an observer. But we get caught up in the people dying and people yelling and the wars and the anger. And you get caught up in the drama. That's right. He goes, but you need to stop, look back and turn around and your goal should not be to look at the screen, but to find out where the light is coming from. Oh, that's great. The projector, that's great. to look back at the projector. I was like, oh, oh that's so that's so wonderful. It's, it's so, so it's, wonderful. It's, it's, it reminds, if you don't mind, it reminds me of an experience I had with a good, good, good friend of mine who passed over. Her name was Olivia mm -hmm. and she was a British lady, a little older than I was. And we used to go to spiritual healing circles for years, 30, 40 years, using mediums and do, do a whole bunch of different things. And we made a pact that when, whoever goes over first comes back right away and tells the other one what it's going to be like. So I'm driving, I'm in Sinitas, California, and I'm driving down the street and I see your face and my windshield. I'm like, Olivia, are you dead? And she said, I'm not the dead one you are. I'm like, what? So uh, I go back home and her daughter sent me an email, said from Australia. And she said, my mother passed away at 1202. And I said, oh, I know very well. And then I asked Olivia, I said, show me. And she took my mind into a space, into a cinema, like you're talking about. And, and Olivia said, it was very weird, James. It was very strange. I walk into the cinema and I'm walking in and all these people are sitting watching the screen. And she showed them, she goes, they're all looking up at the screen. And I realized, oh, and they, I go into the screen and suddenly all these beautiful flowers are, are there and these colors and people that I haven't seen in many, many years. So I just smiled at once, came to greet me, to receive me. It was the most beautiful thing. I was so alive. I looked back at the people in the seats watching the screen and they were the dead ones. <laughs> and she just talked about that. And she said it was beyond her belief. And she's been into this work for a long time, beyond her belief. And she said, it's the little things you do in life that matter the most. And she goes, those people, those kind people, I did, a, I gave a kind word. I opened a door. I smiled at someone. They're the ones that came to greet me, to thank me, and to welcome me. So that's wow. very important. Yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> that is so beautiful. I mean, you never so, know what your one thought, your one word, any interaction you have with people, it'll make a difference. I, every day I do my best. Mm -hmm. Whenever I'm interacting with the public, I'll make, put a smile on someone's face. And that's just because energetically, I'd like to change that. So if I go to Starbucks and someone's like having a hard say, say, I love that green apron you're wearing. No one can wear it like you. And I just <laughs> let them stop and give them a moment of cheer. And, and, and it, it changes their whole day, you know? And oh, what uh, oh. that for us? Exactly. A nice wall, a nice little comment, a nice little saying, just as the same way as like you say to something negative, you could easily say something positive. positive. Exactly. And, and, it's, and, and it's either and fear or love. It's what, the negativity is fear and love is positive. So, so James, I'd love to talk to you a little bit because we've kind of dabbled a little bit about what happens on the other side. Okay. Now we've had a lot of near-death experiencers on. I have a general idea. From, I've had a near-death experience too. So, oh, so I would love to hear about this near-death experience. But I've, from my understanding between the work I've do, I have a, a somewhat of an understanding. It changes, but the general there's big mar mile markers, life review, you know, these kind of things. Um, I'd love to hear your near-death experience, if you don't mind me sharing. And then from your experience, what does truly happen on the other side? Well, well, um, my experience was, and I was doing mediumship for quite a while when this happened, but I remember I was um, 
I was uh, drinking in LA after a show and um, I went with my friend Victoria and I think maybe that was, I'm not sure, but we had one glass of, one bottle of wine. That was really it. Uh, it wasn't a lot, um, but somehow I started bleeding, um, esophag my esophagus, it was bleeding, I guess. And, and I was throwing up and um, I came back, so I lived in Laguna Beach at the time and I came from LA down to Laguna and every exit in the freeway to go off and throw up. Okay. I oh, feel wow. good for like oh, a good 15 minutes then I had to go again. And so I got home in Laguna Beach and um, I called up um, my partner at the time and I said, I'm, I'm really sick. I don't know what's going on. And he said, well, just wait, you know, tonight I'll come by. I said, okay. And I, again, every half hour I'd go. So that night I came over and he's, everything was fine. And he said, oh, well, here it comes again. And I went to the bathroom and I threw up and I blacked out. My head hit the counter and I fell on the floor and I pulled her, I popped her out of the body. And I'm looking down at my body. I'm like, okay, what's this about? <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> I know it's not my time. I know it was immediately outside of linear time. But I knew that this was not my time to go. I just knew that. And I said, what's happening here? And all of a sudden, my cousin Patricia came in front of me. And my cousin Patricia completed suicide when she was 48. And she taught me metaphysics when I was a child, right? And I hadn't seen her since. And I said, Pat, Pat, um, is it over? She goes, it's going to be over. Don't worry. I said, you mean over, over or over? Please let me know because I need some help here. And all of a sudden she disappeared. And I immediately became aware of everybody having this, if you will, this sense of a cord coming out of the top of their heads. Mm -hmm. um, and, Silver then, and cord, there was yes. This, yes, this cord. And it went into this tapestry, matrix, tapestry, whatever you call it. And I knew that the thoughts that we had created this color or the structure and into this ribbon. And this ribbon then bled into that tapestry. And I realized, oh, my thoughts create in that tapestry the beauty or the ugliness in that tapestry. I'm like, oh, wow. And we all have that cord, that ribbon that bleeds in there. And at the life review, we look and see what we did with that tapestry. Do we make it more beautiful or do we not? And then I, I immediately had that insight. And then I then was into a garden and my father was there and he was wearing a brown suit. And he came to me and said, come here. You're getting your white rose. He goes, it's not your time. You got to go back. I said, okay. And all of a sudden, I fell right back into the body and I, my head hurt. And my partner, Brian, at the time was like, James, wake up, wake up. And the first words out of my mouth were, dying is easy, living is hard. <laughs> and now why did I have the experience? I only know that years later, I was doing a seminar, uh, um, some kind of a seminar with a lot of people. And the lady who organized it said, well, your reading is a little bit different. They're a little bit more high end, like a high level of teachings. And she was right. So however that worked, I definitely was bringing through higher um, awareness, if you will, um, life lessons, more than I had, had done before. So, and, and it just helped me realize even more that our thoughts are things and how we treat each other is very, very important. Yeah, and I'd imagine so that, that you were, through that near-death experience, it kind of yeah. elevated your vibration to a point where then you Correct. could start picking up these new signals of these higher teachings. Does that make Correct. sense? Correct. And, and, and I'd have to say, Alex, based upon my, my sister just passed in April, who's also was in mediumship. Yeah. And, and she was um, she was very funny because she kept her sense even to the end. And she goes, is this death? Because I, I don't like this. I said, well, it's time for a magic carpet ride. You're going to go soon. Anyway, what she said was um, and, and other people have said it come through. They say first thing to say is, well, we're part of many, many worlds. We're worlds within worlds. There's all these different worlds that we're part of. And we choose what world we're going to emphasize in the lifetime. We're part of all these different worlds. And she said to me, I was watering my garden I have here in Encinitas, and it's a pretty garden. And I said, Lynn, I hope you love the garden. And she goes, I wasn't able to see beauty in this lifetime. 
shouldn't allow ourselves to see beauty. So it, it's interesting because we take on, the soul takes on all of these, um, we have attributes of the soul, and we take on all these uh, experiences and situations that really test those attributes, that bring those attributes out to the surface and, and really do test them to make us better, to help us to understand each other, to live someone else's life. I mean, it's, it's a great opportunity here in this um, three-dimensional world called school, called Earth. Uh, but all different stations in life, and we have everything in the astral world is very much of similar of the earth, but even better. Uh, the gardens are incredible, the colors are more colorful. They say the colors that you have, the real sense of color is natural gemstones. That, that really is the right color, if you will, to measure color from your dimension. So, um, and you can have anything you want that you on the other side. And I remember I was on Larry King once, and I told someone that your father's playing golf. And Larry goes, they have golf over there? I said, you can have whatever you want. If you want a golf, you can have golf. If you pass over and you, have, you, are a, you like a drink, a cocktail, you can create that with your thoughts, and you'll have a cocktail in your hands, and you can drink it. And you'll have a memory of that, so it's created. You won't have the same hit as you would in the physical, because you're not a physical body, but you have the memory of that. So certain things are memory. Like, there might be desire to have food again, because you have the memory of that, the earth, but that'll die off because you won't need that anymore. And once you adjust or acclimate to your new way of being, that old stuff fluffs off. You don't need that anymore. So you said, this is something I want to kind of dig into. You just said there are many, many worlds. And this is starting yes. to touch into quantum physics yeah. and into parallel lives and the multiverse and multiple worlds. And, and then it's kind of like you go out side to side and you go up and down and there's Correct. depth. And so it's like all the way you know, between parallel lives and multiverses and quantum jumping to different realities and things like that, that again, quantum physics is talking about this concept of multi-worlds and we choose which one to emphasize. I've heard, and this is difficult for our brains to kind of process, but all of our lives are happening at the same time. Completely. Very <laughs> difficult to, for us to understand. It's a hard we, one it, for us. <laughs> because we say past lives. We literally say past lives. So like, oh, I was an Aztec or I was in Rome or I was in Egypt or something like that. So from my understanding, and please, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. We're living right now. This is where the needle is on the record at the moment from this perspective. Right. And we are dealing with things that happened, quote unquote, in the past. Let's say our Roman life. Uh, that we do, we're dealing with problems, you know, or, or the, the, uh, when we were hung uh, or we were burned at the stake, we're still dealing with that kind of trauma that we're working out in this life. When we ha work it changed, out, by the way, just different names, yeah, exactly. wars, different names of the wars, it's still the war, but just change the names. Yeah. Very much so. Uh, now it's all social media, but uh, <laughs> you, you don't get hung on the square. You get hung on Twitter. Uh, so, so if we fix or deal with or overcome that lesson in this life, apparently it ripples to all your lives in the past and it ripples all to your future lives. It starts to mess with your head. Love to hear your thoughts, sir. Good boy. You got it. Good boy. Good boy. That's right. So it, it's hard for us, like you said, to conceive. So I, I like to use analogies a lot. So let's say we're a diamond and that each experience we have in this, let's say in this lifetime, cuts another facet of the diamond and lets a different kind of time of light, different degree of light. So if we think that we're a diamond, a soul is a diamond and all these different facets from every experience of lifetimes. So I totally agree with you and that we want to experience more of that aspect or that aspect or understand about caring or compassion or forgiveness. We'll take 
take on all these different types of situations. And I do believe, and I know, and a friend of mine made a comment, a friend of mine was visiting 4th of July, and he made a comment, and it was a strange comment because he was not this way, but just dropped in his head. And he said, if we can live in the moment, there's no other way. We, things will work out. We just have to live in right. the moment. And it's very, very true. Because in the moment, you're aware of what's going on right now. The past has already happened. The future is yet to be. Now, if you can at this moment forgive someone for what they did, that, that energy of forgiveness ripples all the way back, like you said, and changes things in the past and the future. You can change your past lives, you can change your future lives by what you're doing at this particular moment. The more you love that you show and demonstrate will affect all those experiences in the past and all experiences in the future. Don't ask me how, but it does happen. It's energy, it's thought. It's, you've reached a point where you realize that love is the answer and forgiveness is a big one. You know, by forgiving others, forgive yourself, forgive yourself, forgive others. It's living in that moment. But I agree with you. What you do now affects the past and the future. No doubt. So if this is the record needle, as I use in my analogy on the record, are there multiple record needles in different lifetimes? Or is this just the perspective of this one and there are other ones? And let's not even get into parallel lives, current parallel lives or here's a trippy one another trippy one in that the soul as i said before 70 percent of the soul is outside the body 30 percent is over here so if we go to really understand the soul we want to go to 70 percent those different fields of levels well every one of those fields is a different way of life right so you're existing right now in a past life in a future life right now as you're simultaneously living this moment right now you're living those other lifetimes at the same exact moment and it seems that what you're doing in this, this, this physicalness, if you will, in theory dimension, will affect those other lifetimes and vice versa, too, by the way. There's, there's aspects of the higher life or the different fields that, that can bleed down. We heard the higher self. If we bring down that energy of the higher self into the awareness of the moment, it can affect that moment. And that goes back into meditation, sitting in the silence, being the stillness of your being. You will be influenced by the higher self. So that's how it works. But again, the secret is to know thyself, to thy own self be true. And that is really it. Never compare yourself to other people. Be who you are, because you are who you are, because you're meant to be who you are. So one thing I've noticed about your work, James, and this is unlike other quote unquote psychic mediums that I've spoken before. See, or, I don't like that term to. psychic medium because it's so mediums. It's redundant because every is medium it? needs to be psychic. Every listen, <laughs> if there's a that psychic, get your money back because hello, every medium <laughs> so psychic is a perception, right? So psychic we perceive and everybody sure. is psychic one degree or another. And a medium receives. So mm -hmm. not every psychic is a medium, but every medium is psychic. So that's a very, very different okay. Uh, okay. You know that difference in there. And so psychic medium to me is uh, it's just redundant. So to me a spiritual medium is be really more accurate i'd say for at least so me. so spiritual medium yeah. one thing i've, I've yeah, learned I like about that better. Okay. it's spiritual it sounds better it's better branding it's better, right. um like but your but your work as a spiritual medium you really seem to connect a lot of ancient ideas and teachings in the work that you do yeah. in a way that I don't see very often. Cause a lot of times it's all about, give me the lottery tickets or am I going to meet my, or am I going to meet my <laughs> dark stranger or is this pilot <laughs> I just did going to blow me up or these kind of ideas where your work, I know that must be extremely no, boring it's, for it's, you. That's the way it is. You know, I, people <laughs> say, can you give me the numbers of the lottery? And I was like, you think I'd be talking to you right now? But the numbers of the lottery, I certainly wouldn't be able to talk to you right now. But you know, it's, it's, it's again, how you use it. I, I'm very much, as I said from the very beginning, um, in development of my work that I have to be open-minded. And, and I, I believe that um, I'm a sage from way back or that those lifetime oh, yeah. sage. 
wisdom, yeah. philosophy. Um, I, I know that, and I, and I always bring that forward to however I can. I wish I could bring more forward. But also, you know, I think it's really important, and, and Alex, you do a great job at this, and, and it's, it's bringing, presenting information to the general public that you can, and I do this in my books that I, when I write my books, I, and, and I don't mean to sound detrimental here or put people down, but it's, you have to feed them. You have to, you have to spoon feed the public. So these complexities, these, 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 um, these uh, insights into other dimensions and so forth are there, but we, in order for people to understand them, you got to give them something to understand that they can relate to. So mm -hmm. I think when you, you have to, and I hate to say the term, you have to kind of dumb it down, but you have oh, to. Well, it, of it, course. You got to dumb it down. I understand and what I, you mean. I think it's important that we bring these big concepts down to the finest, which is love, love or fear is basically it. Then you can get into, once people can understand that, then you go into a little bit more about how you treat people, the golden rule, um, a sense of who you are. Then we go a little bit further and we seeding, we're seeding them, you know? Um, I have a lot of people say to me, God, I, this is so amazing. I wish I could tell my husband the work that you did, that you brought that through. And I, I gotta tell him, I can't wait to tell him. I said, listen, he might not get it. Don't, don't be so caught up in him getting it. Just plant the seed. When he's ready, we'll get it. It's just, you can't control it. Just plant the seeds. It's all we can do. That's what you're doing and I'm doing. We're planting the seeds. And um, I don't know. I, I think it's just, again, it's it's having a sense of awareness. It's not just, like I said earlier, like the circus or the fun act or whatever, that, that jump yeah. to the hoop or whatever. It's not that. It, it's who we are as spiritual. We're souls having a human experience, not the other way around. And as a soul being, representing that those lives i i think you know in the bible it says my father has a house with many mansions and i do believe there are many many levels and spectrums and spheres and worlds within worlds within worlds and that that one element that brings all those worlds together is love love is the only energy that goes through all of those dimensions all those time spans is love love is the answer and that's exactly the way it is is yeah now we got to be responsible for that Without question. And, and that's one of the reasons what I think that movies and television and media in general has such a responsibility in that aspect, because there are certain movies that I can say simulation theory to you and they'd be like, what? I go, it's the matrix. And they'll go, oh, the concepts there. Yeah, there's Kung Fu and there's other aspects that they, they kind of did. But the concept the philosophy, the idea of multiple or the multiverse that Marvel is now bringing out and that concept. Yeah, it's superheroes fighting in the multiverse. It's okay the because that's idea, the spoon feeding. It's a great way of entertainment, just like in a ghost whisper. We opened up with fear, like people are afraid of these ghosts, but yet at the end, it was all about love and healing. Same with the, the Marvel comics. Now they're bringing their edge. And even the producers who are doing probably have no idea what they're doing. They're just being used by spiritual beings right. as, to bring the teachings out. And people will open people up on those levels. It'll open them up. They might have to get through entertainment or a strange way. But I, I'm going to say something else with you, talk to you about something else too, which I think is really, it's bothered me over the years. And, mm -hmm. and I think you get it too. I, I guess it goes back to that responsibility that when you put out in the, the masses, whether it's through television or social media, whether it's the movies, you have responsibility because it's all energy. So if you're going to put a movie about killing and fear, that stays in the ethers. That energy is there and it stays there. It doesn't just dissipate. You're putting out that you use that creative force and making it negative or violent, or whatever. That's going to feed people. I really do believe that. So you wonder why we have gun violence. You wonder why people are negative because we're feeding it. We're feeding that. And mm -hmm. I, I just get a sense. And this is a, such a responsibility with what you put out to the public, whether it's through social media, whether it's through movies or television, there's a responsibility about it. And people got to understand that. Yeah. With, without, 
I agree with you 110%. I the, the fear that gets pumped out by the media, because when you're in fear, you buy more and all that kind of stuff. I get that. And there's, I think people are starting to wake up to it. The numbers of this show are starting to say that because there's, we're talking about millions so far and hopefully tens of millions, hundreds of millions, maybe billions one day of people who, yeah, yeah, to try to get this kind of information out there in this big way. It is changing. And I think people are starting to figure things out on a very instinctual soul level. They're just like, that doesn't make sense for me. I don't want that anymore. But you could already start seeing the crumblings of the old system where the networks, they're just not getting the numbers anymore that they used to where there's YouTubers who are getting 100 million views on an episode. Can you imagine that in network television or even as streamers, you start, people are starting to figure things out. And I think it's where everything is going to go. I have to ask that, you this, Jeff. Along with that is the responsibility that they have with that. Those they have, have a big if, responsibility. This is about how many people you can get on your page. It's the, in, the what you're putting out there. You have. Yeah, absolutely. What you're putting out there. So let's talk a little bit, James, about um, the future of where we're all going. Now, this is one aspect of things. And I know, you know, I've had other people come on the show and talk about what they see for humanity, where we're all going, that we are going through this big shift, human, human shift. The first question I want to ask you is what part do you believe the work of mediums, of channels, of this spiritual ideas that we're talking about in this episode? What effect is that going to have? And what is the future of those things? Are channels going to be the next and mediums going to be the next kind of like people will be respected and feel like doctors and lawyers are now? Where do you see all of this going? I, I would hope so. But the quality is always a question, right? The quality <laughs> are... That's also with doctors that's and lawyers. Scary part, that's also quality. with doctors and lawyers too, my friend. <laughs> yes, it's not true of every single organism. That's exactly right. Um, you know, I, I, from my point of view, it, to me, the, the the world, most of the world are asleep. Most people are asleep. They're sleepwalking. And like mm-hmm. only 3% are conscious. Only 3% of the world is awake. 3%. That's a very small amount. 3% of the entire world. I mean, 97% are sleeping. They're sleepwalkers. So we have to wake them up. And shows like yours and, and shows like mine and schools like mine uh, do that. They, they touch on a certain nerve, a certain sense, a certain soul part of that soul. They'll open them up. And I, I think that's going to happen. I think more and more when there are shows like yours and, and more spiritual work out there, um, that's not threatening to people. That's really assuring people. And, and if mediumship is done the right way, you know, in a quality and a responsible way, I, I think people tend to see uh, a connection, a connection that, wow, this is real. And that th- there's more to life than just this physical world. I think that's the number one thing. The first thing is to realize there is no, there's no death. And that's been my, my work from day one is to teach people the two greatest illusions we have in this physical world. Number one, mm-hmm. separativeness. No one's separate, we're together. But we want to be, it's the world teaches the separativeness, illusion. Second thing is death. There is no such thing as death. You can't die for the best of you. You just can't die. We're energy. You don't die. You just slough off the physical, which is painless in many respects. Mm-hmm. Leading up to it might be hard with the disease, of, but there are medications for that to get you out. And I totally, you know, the spirit people have inspired those scientists to come up to invent that those medications they happen first in the spirit world and they have slowly brought down to the physical world so i i think it's a matter of um, number one educating the public that there's more to this than just this physical world and and that people and i think mediumship is doing that i think shows like yours are doing that that help people to realize there's so much more 
Number two, I think that they become connected with their power, with themselves, learn who they mm -hmm. are and go back in and not pay attention to what people say about them on the social media, not get so caught up in that, what people are saying and doing. You know, Kim Kardashian, who I, I did read for many years ago before she was Kim Kardashian, you know, there's a big responsibility she has and she had. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to blame people, but you know, when you're out in the media that way, there's a responsibility and you got to be careful because it'll, it'll back, it'll bite you. It'll bite you if you're not careful. And I, I just hope that people do things more of the conscious way, um, how they're affecting other people. I think it's a slow, slowly moving, but in some ways it isn't because I started in the eighties and, and listen, when I was doing, I was the only one out there doing this. And now, now it's very, very popular. And I always use a funny thing. It's like, well, remember when herb tea started? No, the herb tea, you drink herb tea. That's so weird, herb tea. And now, of course, <laughs> right. look at us now, right? So that's, so, and that was relatively quickly. So that's only 30 years, the herb tea thing. That's pretty fast when you think about it. So I do have hope that things will be, be changing. And I think much quicker, Alex, I think once people mm -hmm. get it there, oh, and they catch up, they catch up. My feeling is they catch up and they start moving. So I would think by the next like 2025, hopefully there'll be another sense of that of self-awareness and self-knowledge. I think in some ways wars, negative things, that, and people have had enough of it, whether it's the COVID or the wars, or people are tired of that. They want something else, they want something new. So in a way it forces them to look within themselves. And to question what's what's with what else is there what else is there i can experience to make me feel better so i think it's going to force us to have a sense of who we are get back to our soul self and go back inside not outside out here to validate yourself but inside ourselves and i think that's going to happen now do you do you believe that we are heading in a direction that as as a, as a species as a human consciousness are we heading in a positive or what is this a better question? What does the spirit world have to say about where we're heading as? It's it's funny because they don't judge it. It's, there's no judgment. So we can't say positive or negative. It just, it is what right. it is. Because exactly. That's, that's exactly soul, that's, right. That's soul. It is just an experience. It's really just experiences and it's experiences of loving oneself and of loving another. And that's mm -hmm. really what it's about. Loving oneself and loving another and not judgment. Judgment again is fear-based. Like I said earlier, it's very interesting because, um, you know, we have the whole the trans thing now and you have to, one thing I, I'm not so comfortable still with is the pronoun thing because I'm an author, mm -hmm. a best-selling author, and I had a lot of trouble with the grammar thing. So I mm -hmm. get that. So I don't want to judge that, but I want to say everybody is God, no matter who they are. And the diversification Agreed. is what makes God. God has all these different sparkles, all different lights in all different ways. So we can't judge another's experience. Agreed. I think if everybody just God didn't hurt anyone else. It'd be fine. They be who you are. Do what you want to do as long as you don't hurt people. That's a, that's a key right there. And I think that more and more that's going to happen. I think more and more. Um, I just think we're at a point now extremism with religion and politics and trying to control people's rights because this country is based on a, a freedom of, of rights and that's that's waning and it's because but I don't think that's going to stay. I think people are going to be fed up with that. You know, Roe v. Wade, the whole thing. It, it, we, you know, it's so amazing to me that the, you know, people are fighting abortion, abortion, but yet it's okay to kill an eight-year-old with a semi-automatic gun. What about that? I mean, mm -hmm. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You can't have it all. I mean, one or the other, you know? Right. So I, I think that's, it's forcing people to change, to look at things a different way. I think it goes back to self, uh, learning about self and, and uh, just really um, loving, appreciating self and each other, that we're all connected. We're not separate. We're, we're one. We are one. I'm the present nurturing energy. We're one. Do you see the new generations being born now 
completely differently than the inner generations <laughs> that your generation or my generation is. I mean, they come, come on, in. Your dad, come on. Yeah, you these can... star kids are everywhere. I find star seeds are everywhere. I mean, I mean, it's so amazing. Many different, amazing. You know, when they sort of used to talk about they're on the spectrum. Well, they're way beyond us. Uh, so advanced species coming in totally. And I thought about this this morning. Actually, I was talking to a friend of mine because she told me um, I wonder people in our life, kids, whatever, was inspector was like, well, they're the ones that are teaching us. They're, it's such an advanced age. And I, I say, personally, I can't relate to technology. I'm not a technical person, I'm more creative. So every password I put in every day, I have ugh, I know that freaking password. But it's like, it's these beings are coming in now that can handle all that technology. Oh, it's, it's waves of these souls, it's waves of these technical souls that know all that. And that I know that there's this place and time and space and time and in the physical vibration, these beings, these, what do you call them, evolved, I don't like to judge them, but these beings from other species, other star systems are coming in, no doubt about it, and changing things up and, and working with the technologies and being aware of that, no doubt about it. So we're evolving, if you will. I, I don't believe that should be true. So what we do I, with I, it is a free will. <laughs> that's very true. And I'd, I'd just love to hear your opinion on Ascended Masters. I mean, in your work, sure. have you... Have you come across any? Have any? I, I'm through? looking at one right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, please elaborate, you think sir. Can do a show like this? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I appreciate an that. It's an interesting concept because people, many people, and I understand they say, "What's my guide's name?" It's like, "What's your guide's Bruce, name?" Bruce. Bruce. His name is Bruce. Bruce, right? <laughs> Bruce. It's, it's putting such a human trait to something which right. has a human trait to it. So it's it's putting that limitation on that, and and so. Um, you know, there are many levels and species and, and levels of being. So we talk about ascended masters or angelic beings or different levels of awareness. Consciousness. It's just evolvement. And I, and I think they're those, those beings who, I think there are many ascended masters. I think there are many species. I mean, I remember when I was first developing uh, my abilities in sitting in development circle, I used to have these beings would come to me and we would call them aliens, like you should call them aliens. And they're the most evolved beings I'd ever been around. And I remember I was in Sedona, Arizona once and I brought a group out there to see UFOs because that was a place of UFOs. And we got out there and I remember it was 10 o'clock on a Saturday night and the man who was helping me run this said, um, well, nothing's going. I said, I, I, we got to see hopefully you see these good people here. And I heard a, a words in my head say, you need to meditate, you need to raise your vibration. So we all meditated, raised the vibration. And then I walked out to the middle of the field and all these lights were around, it's like TV tower lights looked like. And these are UFOs, what we call UFOs. And I remember hearing very, very clearly, not only hearing, but feeling that this energy had, a, had really slow themselves down, really lower themselves down. It's like this, like a 747 in the eye of a needle, they had to really slow themselves down. And I heard them say, we're from the Pleiades and we do not understand one thing. You human beings have the energy of love all around you, yet you don't use it. Why is that? Oh. Is it? And that makes sense. It's all around us. Why can't we use love? <laughs> so that's, so that's, what, that's what it is. So ascended masters, you know, I don't put names or labels on it, but beings who are evolved beings who just are those evolved beings that have been through ups and downs and all around and teachings and philosophy and beyond our you know awareness if you will but i think they just i think our higher selves are connected with those and the more we can bring in the energy from a higher self that awareness um then then it's the right thing we're, we're light beings we have to be illuminati we have to be that illuminous the illuminous we got to be the ones show people the light the light the darkness opens up to light and we got to bring that light out now, James, I could talk to you for another four or five hours. <laughs> um, but I'm going to ask you a few questions. I ask all of my guests. Okay. What is your definition of living a fulfilled life? 
Um, if I can look back at my life, at the end of my life, when I look back at my life and I see it, the earth is a better place than it was when I first got here, that's a filled life. If you had a chance to go back in time and talk to little James, what advice <laughs> would you give him? Um, I'd probably go back and say, believe in yourself even more. How do you define God? Everything and everyone. And what is the ultimate purpose of life? Love. Beautiful. And where can people find out more about you and the amazing work you're doing for the world? I have, I have two places. I have a school online. It's called the, the JVP School of Mystical Arts.com. Mm -hmm. And then I have a website with my last name, vanprag.com, V-A-N-P-R-A-A-G-H.com. That's how I remember who it is, my last name. And then, of course, my book, Talking to Heaven, and I've written 14 different books, but that's on Amazon. But yeah, that's the best way we can have our community together. And do you have any parting messages or does the spirit world have any parting messages for the audience? <laughs> um, you know, use, use love in everything you do. See, see, you know, remember that every day uh, on your path, you have a teacher or a student and be accordingly and treat others as you want to be treated. And that's all I can say. James, it has been a pleasure speaking to you. We have to have you back. You are a joy. Definitely. I'd love to come back. You're great to speak with. You're really, it's rare that I get someone who's intelligent and aware of this, this level that we can, you know, understand these things. It's a nice conversation, you know? So thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for watching. Click on one of the videos below to continue your journey. And don't forget to subscribe.